Welcome to the Namely Marley podcast. My name is Marley. Today's guest is Allison Kramer. Allison is a well-known vegan blogger and author of a fabulous cookbook on gluten-free and vegan recipes. Allison, welcome. Hi. It's so great to be here today. It's great to talk with you. I was impressed to read your bio. Um, it looks like you were reading books like The Joy of Cooking and uh, you were baking up a storm as a child. Your parents must have loved having you around. Yeah, well, um, I think they did, but they didn't really eat it much. Um, I have siblings, and the thing was, my parents, um, they're they're wonderful parents, but my mom wasn't around much when I was a little kid because she was in college full-time trying to get her doctorate, which she did obtain. Um, So without her there, I was kind of at a loss for desserts, and, you know, as I started kind of looking into doing that myself, and I really... Um, struck a chord with me, and I fell in love with it. Uh, my dad loved all my cooking up until I, I went vegan when I was 14, and then he started complaining about it, only because he knew that it was cannibal product-free. Um, so once uh, he tasted it without realizing it was vegan, he said, oh, I love these cookies, or I love this cake, this is great. And when I tell him it was vegan, it was kind of like a, a gotcha moment, and, you know, <laughs> so they did. <laughs> I know that feeling. I've had that when I've worked in an office before, and I bring in something, and I put a sign on it that says vegan or whatever, and people look at it like, I, you know, <laughs> like I've got some strange creature embedded in, in each cookie or something. Right, exactly. Yeah, I try. I, it's a it's a fine line. Um, I do a lot of food swaps and community events where I want to share my food, but at the same time, I almost I tend to put the ingredients and labeling on the back side of anything, um, just in case anyone might be scared away from it. Because I'd rather them see it and taste it themselves and be, oh, this is great, and then later find out. Uh, yes. From personal experience, that's worked best for me. <laughs> so, are you the oldest? of the kids in your family? No, I'm the youngest. Actually, my um, brother is closest to me, and he's nine years older than me. So I have three siblings, and they are much older. So it was almost like having a whole other set of parents and aunts and uncles, even though they were my siblings. So it was kind of nice. I was an only child, and I had siblings at the same time. I know how you feel. I'm in the same boat. My closest sibling is seven years older, and the next is 12. Uh Uh-huh. That's cool. So you do have that benefit of feeling like you're part of a family, but but also like an only child. Yeah, and it's really nice when you get old enough. So, you know, I'm I'm in my 30s now, so now I really appreciate having my siblings around because um, they're great friends. And that it wasn't quite like that. I, I looked at them more as my you know authority figures or someone to look up to, and now it's the mutual thing, which is great. Well, it's interesting that you ended up being the one in the kitchen. <laughs> As the youngest. Yeah, I guess that is kind of interesting. Well, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to um, my oldest sister, Lori. Um, She's not the oldest. My oldest is Wendy. But Lori taught me a lot of cooking. I spent a lot of time with her, too. Um, But they were all moved out when I was younger, so I would go over to her house and kind of cook along with her. And she's very, very active in the kitchen to this day. And then my brother is very good at certain things like pizza doughs, and he taught me how to make mashed potatoes when I was young. It was great. And so... Um, but my oldest sister, she's um, she's actually the one that turned me vegan um, because she's been a vegetarian for, I think, over 30 years now. So it does. My mom was the biggest influence in the kitchen, I'd say, though. Um, she cooked a lot before really? she got into graduate school. What do you like about being in the kitchen? Mm, there's nothing I don't like about it. I even love doing dishes, as sad as that sounds. It's, it's wow. Like, yeah. It's, <laughs> all, I, my <laughs> son is old enough to do the dishes now, and so that's his new chore, right? But 
Sometimes yes. I don't want them to do them. I'm like, you know, just just go do whatever, and I'll do, I'll take care of this. And I'm secretly just loving the water running and the bubbles and everything. Um, but I think it's it's been my favorite place to be because I really let the creativity flow in there. Nobody's watching. Nobody's judging. Um, I can kind of improv with the ingredients I have on hand and um, make something really wonderful that I can share with other people. I think that's the best part about it. And the smells and, you know, all the other good stuff. Yeah. I like the physical movement, too. Like, so much of my life, I'm sitting in front of a computer or sitting somewhere and that's, I'm actually moving, moving my hands, touching things. I like it. That's a great point, and I, I definitely agree with you on that. Even in just chopping vegetables, the, the rhythmic moving of the knives and uh, everything like that, it's, it's great. Standing on your feet is good, yes. <laughs> yes. And and so you like dishes, so is there anything you don't like about being in the kitchen? Um, you know, I don't, I'm not very good at writing uh, my recipes, uh, typing them out afterwards, so I think the hardest part is leaving the kitchen and actually having to sit down and do the work, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> that's the worst part for me, because I'm not, as much as I try, um, I have to retest recipes a lot sometimes because I can't read my own handwriting, because I'm just so into oh. it in the kitchen that I'm like, did I really write that down, or what is that ingredient there, so I have to go and re play and make sure that it is in fact what I thought it was. So I think that's the worst part is actually having to, when I'm de- developing recipes, stop what I'm doing and, you know, um, write it down so it makes sense to other people. Oh, I know how that feels. <laughs> and, and to be that precise, I like to be creative too. So to make my, I have to force myself to put that in a tablespoon, yes. <laughs> measure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and then with gluten-free cooking, there's so much with weights that are so important and, you know, uh, calibrating the scales and everything like that. It's just, it's a lot of science in there, you know. Yeah, I was intrigued by your your profile where you talked about society's response to domesticity and food. Can you tell me more about that? Um, yeah, you know, that's something that's kind of been ingrained in me for a very long time. Before, it started with my mom. She, um... She, for the longest time, was just, not just a housewife, but she did housewife things, and my dad was in the military and traveled around, so she stayed home with all my three siblings for the majority of her life. Um, she did work in a hair salon as well. Um, but, you know, I grew up thinking that that was kind of like the ultimate thing, uh, to to get in there and have your own household, have your own kitchen, make your own food, you know, have people come to you as a... It's like a gathering place. I, like I said, I had a giant family. Um, each of my siblings has a ton of kids each, so everyone was kind of coming over to our house when I was younger with their kids, and it was a gathering place. Mm-hmm. And I looked up to that like, you know, this is just one of the most wonderful things in the world. And then when I got into high school, or probably when I was about 13, I started kind of rebelling, and I started thinking, you know, this is not where a woman belongs. This is not how it should be. But I couldn't pull myself away from the fact that I wanted to be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yes. um, there was a, like my mom was kind of, she was a pioneer in my thinking by saying, you know, I'm not going to stay in the house anymore. I might be 40 some years old, but I'm going to go get my doctorate. And to me, I'm like, what are you doing? You know, you're leaving your, your, your easy life and you're going and, but it's what she wanted to do. Um, so she's always been a hero in my eyes to, you know, just go after her dreams. But at the same time, I think that, um, what really fascinates me most about the domesticity part is that 
I personally love it, and I know that it's it's so good for children um, when they have somebody like a grandmother or somebody, a father, a grandfather, an uncle, somebody that kind of takes on that role with pride because it's a place that we live in, um, you know, each and every day. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere we have to be or go, and it kind of grounds us. It reconnects us with our family. So it's always been something extremely important in my life because I'm a very, um, I'm an introvert, but I love you know, family and um, friends and being surrounded by people that are very close and important to me. And so when I got into college, um, that never left my mind, I guess. And so I started making a lot of my art about that. Um, a lot of the artists I knew were the opposite. You know, they wanted to break away from that. They wanted to go live in Manhattan and be loners and never have a family and, you know, eat out like you do in Manhattan all the time. And while part of that appealed to me, the other part that didn't was that, well, I don't want to be alone. I want to have a big family, and I want to create food for them. And it never left me. So um, it followed me through my artwork, and I was constantly, and I still do, paint pictures about that type of thing, make sculptures. Everything was related to that. Uh, Food? Yeah. Everything was related to food? Food, domesticity, but mostly um, kitchen. Me being in the kitchen, I can't tell you how many self-portraits I've made. Um, And I did self-portraits a lot because we had to draw and paint from life. Um, in school as a requirement. You couldn't you know, use photographs or imagination or anything. So I was the only model I had um, at the time. <laughs> so I would paint myself, um, but I would always find myself doing it in the kitchen, and it, it became kind of an obsession of mine that um, composition-wise, uh, you know, food is so beautiful, and the tools in the kitchen are really neat and edgy. Um, I, I think it fit well with my personality of just creating, you know. That's great. That's beautiful. And I... I wonder when I read that about domesticity, it, it seems to me like when a woman's in the kitchen, it's considered domestic, but when men are in the kitchen, they're called chefs. Yes. Oh, that's such a great point. And, and, and it's absolutely true. It's, you know, and women still struggle to this day getting, you know, the chef thing going. And it, it is, it's strange. Women are, yeah, that's just what you do. But if men do it, it's like this, this wonderful thing we should celebrate, which it is, you know. But I yes. think we should celebrate both genders doing that. I do too, and well, that's actually another thing I like about the being in the kitchen myself is that it does feel like this glorious blend between art and science because mm-hmm. there's the science of how the ingredients interact, yeah. but there's the art of how the flavors touch each other and, and change. I, I like it both, I guess. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and especially with vegan cooking, which I got into really early um, in my teenage years, that was the, the the coolest part about it for me was that, like, oh, you know, all these people are making brownies, or even my friends, we were in a band, and we were kind of, like, you know, just teenagers, being teenagers, but then, like, I loved going home and making fudge for my friends, or, like, making cookies, or making whatever, and then when I became vegan, the the challenges of that chemistry, of that science were there, and it was like, wow, how do I recreate this texture, or, you know, um, to make make this bind right, Um, and it's interesting, and I had a lot of failures. <laughs> I know how you feel. <laughs> oh man, the first cheesecake I ever made, I remember all I used was um it was regular tofu, lemon juice and sugar and I think I baked it. <laughs> it was just Oh, it was awful. It was so gross. Oh. <laughs> you know, we're gonna learn. <laughs> it wasn't even edible. Oh no, absolutely not. Went straight into the garbage disposal. It was horrible. <laughs> I don't even think it had a crust on it. I mean, it was just absolutely dreadful. It was like if you eat you tofu and just baked it for a really long time, it was not good. But I was learning, so, so yeah. I didn't learn. Learning is good. 
<laughs> so tell me more about your decision to become vegan. Well, my decision to become a vegan really started with my sister being a vegetarian, and she was always really into the advocacy part of it, wearing T-shirts that said, you know, love animals, don't eat them, um, talking to our family members about it. Her husband was also a vegetarian at the time, so I got a lot of information from her. And she was also um, a huge advocate of visiting the library, and I was lucky enough to have her babysitting me when I was younger, um, gosh, starting maybe about eight years old, the same time I started about cook, about the same time I started cooking, and we would go to the library, and she would check out vegetarian cookbooks. And at the time, there weren't very many available, and um, I would kind of spring along with her, and that kind of got my mind cranking in that direction. Um, I was a huge fan of animals. I still am. Non-human animals. Um, I loved pets. I had a ton of them, and. Uh, you know, the whole time I was thinking, there's got to be this, there's this disconnect. I love animals so much, but I also love steak. Like, how did this <laughs> compute in my mind? And it didn't. After a while, um, I started actually seeing the meat I was eating, not the dairy products or the eggs at the time, but just the meat I was eating as, you know, animals. I was like, oh, gosh, this is this is something that's, you know, there's a real live tangible or a, a, a not live anymore, but an animal, somebody that had feelings and, you know, that liked to be petted and probably enjoyed being hugged. And I, I couldn't get past that. So um, I started checking out vegetarian books and learning more from my sister. Uh, starting early, I would say maybe around 10, 12 years old, um, I was just really into cooking and I thought that was really neat. Um, so in the back of a lot of those vegetarian books, there weren't very many vegan books available at the time, as skinny as I can recall. But in the back of one particular book, and I can't remember the name of it, there was a section about veganism, and it was maybe 50 pages long, and it resonated with me hardcore. So I thought, oh, I had no idea that, you know, milk and eggs weren't okay. Um, okay being that they also, you know, uh, factory farming and, were harmful for the animals that were being used for those products. So that was a big um, light bulb moment for me. And I, I think it was about, I think it was right after I finished that chapter at the end of that book, I told my mother I wanted to be vegan. And she was totally supportive. She didn't, all I think she said is, um, I think she told me that I was going to gain weight, actually. <laughs> I think that was her, you might gain weight, so be careful about that. Like, okay, that's fine, whatever, we'll, we'll see where this goes. And I started reading more about veganism. And the more I read about it, the more I became um, aware of what kind of person I was wanting to be. And at the same time, my dad um, is no longer with us, but at the time he was very much into Buddhism. And he had had a pretty colorful life history um, in the military and everything. And so that was one thing that he really enjoyed reading about. And so I would kind of take his books and read them. And as an eighth grade kid, I think that's when the veganism really hit home for me. Um, uh, reading those books, I, I was confused, but at the same time, I was really curious. And so the nonviolent thing really resonated with me that, you know, this is good. Be as good of a person as you can be and act as well as you can act and good things will happen to you and, your, you know, your loved ones and in your life. Kind of, you know, the karma thing. Yes. So um, I started applying that to my life and I felt like veganism was a really good way to cut out a lot of violence that I was contributing to, you know, just by eating animals. And that's kind of a violent, it's a very violent act, um, you know, mm -hmm. can't really escape that. So that was probably the main driver. Um, the, the Buddhism mixed with the whole impression that I got from my sister, who's a wonderful, wonderful person, very kind, someone I still look up to to this day for her patience with the world and her love and compassion. Um, 
So both of those, it's a compassion, I think is the best part too. Well, she must be so proud of you now that you've got your own cookbook out. I think she is. <laughs> I, I think she is. She's she's pretty. Um, she's wonderfully supportive. So yes, I would say so. That's great, and I can't imagine being at the you know at eighth grade and, and having those. You know, those are very mature thoughts to be realizing the violence that you're consuming or participating in. That's impressive. Oh well, thank you. I don't think it was me though. I think it, it having to do with um, the fact that I have very older siblings. Like my brother is nine years older than me, and he's the closest to me in age. And then my older sister Wendy, the one that was a vegetarian, is seventeen years older than me. So um, mm -hmm. I was constantly surrounded by adult conversations and adult ideas and adult books. And I mean, I loved uh, Nickelodeon and all the kids shows and everything at the same time, but. Um, those ideas and those conversations were some of my most vivid and wonderful memories of spending time with my family, I think. That's wonderful. And now you're gluten-free as well? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, I love <laughs> the fact that I can, you know, it's a new area to explore recipe, recipe creation and, and such. Yeah. I love it. But at the same time, I, it's celiac disease that I'm gluten-free because of. So that's not exactly fun to have because I have a really bad reaction if I eat gluten these days. I'm kind of, I, I avoid gluten and I have kind of what I'd call a gluten intolerance, yeah. but I am, I can tolerate it in very small amounts, um, but I can't imagine, you know, you have to be as careful as you are to completely remove it from your life is harder, I think. Yes, it is very hard, especially eating out. Um, you know, you want to trust the people. Uh, I think that everyone tries their best to accommodate. Uh, a lot of, uh, wonder. I live in Philadelphia, so a lot of the restaurants have uh, explicitly gluten-free vegan menu items marked, um, which takes out a lot of confusion and everything, but it is, it's it's hard. I mean, I get glutened, is what I call it, all the time at home, just because the rest of my family isn't gluten-free, so they eat breads and pastas and other things, and if an occasional crumb comes into contact with me, I will have a reaction, which is kind of unfortunate. That is unfortunate. And, and um, I, I personally, I just from my experience here's what I'll tell you is because I can occasionally have bread and I will smell it and it smells so amazing but your right. taste they change and I I don't know I don't find the bread to be as appealing as it used to be isn't that interesting really well that makes me yeah. feel better because I miss yeah. bread so much <laughs> I know. so much with the crusty loaf of french bread I mean oh. I would do anything to, to have that again <laughs> And baking with gluten is just, it's a completely different animal, you know, it and it's wonderful. I love how it stretches and pulls and you can do all kinds of wonderful things with it. Um, which you just have but to you do some it. amazing things without gluten. <laughs> so thank you. I've seen some of your recipes and I've tried some of them and I know they're, they're amazing. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, and so the challenge of that is... Uh, now you're doing gluten-free and vegan, and uh, do you feel sometimes that your diet is too restricted because of that? You know, um, there's only, like I said, probably the bread cravings, the occasional beer craving. I know there's gluten-free beer available, but I was a real into craft beers when I was, uh, before I got diagnosed, so I, I really missed that. Um, but not really, I guess. I think because I spend so much time cooking and creating recipes, and they're probably not in... 30-minute time span that goes by in my day that I'm not obsessing or thinking about a new recipe or new food that I don't feel deprived. Um, 
but uh, I can see how other people viewing my diet might see that, <laughs> see it that yeah. way, you know, because they're used to having the standard American diet where, you know, I, I, again, I live in Philly, so where's the cheesesteak? How can you have a cheesesteak? And um, you don't get to have all the, the tomato pies and the, the, the everything else that, you know, most people are used to. And the restaurant scene here, that's the one thing I guess that I miss the most is that, um, or I feel that it's sort of restricted is that there's so many wonderful restaurants and I can't go and enjoy all of them. You know, that's food is such an important thing for me, but at the same time, my ethics and what I believe in far outweighs any of that. But you know, every once in a while I'll get that kind of a little bit of jealousy. Like, oh, I wish I could you know, just have that. But there's great products being developed and great food science things happening. So like beyond me, I'm very, very excited about that just because I think what is that again? The beyond me. Have you heard of it? Uh-uh. Oh, it's 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 supposed to be um, and blind taste test fools even the most avid meat eater and it's it's a chicken replacement but they also I think are coming out with a few other types of meat but it's gluten free and vegan and it's not made wow. from anything anyway it's supposed to be a solution to um, just very low cost like you know getting rid of factory farming because apparently it takes about fifteen seconds to make. The, the product and the ingredients are all natural. I think it's like pea protein and some gluten-free flour mix, um, not really any weird chemical ingredients or anything, and it's extremely inexpensive to produce. So they're thinking it might actually replace a lot of the mainstream meat consumption that happens, which would, you know, alleviate a lot of issues hunger-wise. <clears throat> wow, that's exciting. I can't wait to try it. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's supposed to be hitting 2013, I think maybe in March or something. It's available at Whole Foods. However, I haven't, uh, markets all over the nation, but I haven't been able to try it because the ones here in Philly seem to coat it in gluten <laughs> before, <laughs> you know, preparing it, which, you know, like breading and stuff like that. So, but a lot of people say that it's it's wonderful, better than chicken even. So I'm excited about that. I think we'll see a lot more developments that will make me stop pining for yesteryear and you know, eat my bread and everything. Well, and even vegan cheeses. Oh, my goodness. There's so many new ones out there that are fabulous. Absolutely. It's pretty amazing. I mean, just the fact that I can make a, um, you know, like a calzone or something like that where I can have that melty, stretchy cheese that I couldn't even yes. have five years ago. It's, it's great. I love it. It is great. You can have your own vegan, gluten-free pizza. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, we have a place right down the street from us that sells it. And so every time my family orders vegan pizza, I always get my little personal gluten-free pizza. It's great. And it has vegan time. That's something I've been waiting for for years since I've been diagnosed with celiac disease, just ordering pizza out without having to make it. It's great. <laughs> yes, we're, we're actually in the same boat here. In Kansas City, of all places, there's a restaurant that has vegan and gluten-free pizza. That's great. That's so cool. I know. This is the good thing about the the vegan movement. I think that's uh, taking hold is great. I agree. I do. There's a Mexican restaurant up the street from us that has an entire, they say it's vegetarian, but actually all, they can do anything that you want in, uh, you know, Mexican food, I don't know what is Mexican food, so burritos or um, fajitas or anything, and everything has vegan options, so they only serve, you know, vegan sour cream, vegan cheese, and it's wonderful. My son loves going there because he always gets to save hand burritos, and he loves it, but anyway. I think Mexican food, I, I tell you, I think if people knew what was in the food that they eat, <laughs> I mean, we can't, We have a hard time in Kansas City finding a Mexican restaurant that does not cook their beans in lard. Yep. 
And so beans are yeah. the main things we would eat as a vegetarian or vegan. And, and uh, so there's really not much of an option for us in Mexican restaurants. Yeah. I, yeah, I was really surprised to find that in our neighborhood. Um, like, what? This can't be true. Like, yes. you know, but it is. It and is. Happy. I don't know. We have, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, well, in Philly, too, in like Chinatown, there's a ton of restaurants that are vegetarian. Just by, I think it's the, the Buddhist principles, again, you know. Um, but living in that, that kind of environment is really neat because you can go in and see an entire Chinese menu that looks normal, and it's called you know, uh, Peking duck or whatever, but it's all vegan. And you're like, really? This is so strange. So I love that too. I think that's just a product of living in a bigger city, though. I came from a very small town, so I'm not used to having anything like that. Yes. My husband and I went to, um, I think we were in Phoenix on a trip there, and we there was a restaurant like that. It was Chinese, and everything on the menu was vegetarian or vegan. And I've never had so many options in, in one place in my life. <laughs> Yeah, it's very exciting. And I think that's what I meant going back to the whole, uh, I just feel jealous about going to restaurants. It's just so hard to have to pick one or two single menu items every time I diet versus having reign of the entire menu, which, you know, for vegans, just vegans that don't have to be gluten-free, there are a lot more options like that happening, which is great. Right, because a lot of restaurants nowadays, you know, you can go to Chili's now and get a veggie burger, but chances are pretty high it's got wheat in it. Yes. That's true. That's true. But that's great that everyone's kind of acknowledging, you know, that there's a demand for that. Yes. I'm happy that the vegetarian option is there. And so um, I, I'm, I really love salad, so I'm always happy to get a salad. But, you know, it is nice to have other options sometimes. Yeah. No, I agree. I love salads, too. I try to eat at least two a day. <laughs> <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> Bring them on. They're so good. Allison. I loved your posts on your New Year's resolutions. Uh, you talked about learning a new language, writing your own cookbook, and moving to a new city. And you accomplished all those things last year. Congratulations. Thank you. It was a big year for me. What are your goals for 2013? Well, actually, to, to become fluent in French would be a really great thing. Because I just kind of I started learning it and picked it up. And, you know, I had other things going on. Not conversational in it yet, but I'm trying. So that's that's a big one. Um, I also have, well, my second book is coming out in spring, so I really want to um, kind of set that off well, you know, get get that going. I'm very excited about that. It'll be, um, I think, spring. Well, at the end, May 2013 is when my second one comes out. It's called Great Gluten-Free Vegan Eats around the, from Around the World. So it's all globally inspired. I'm excited to tackle the marketing, um, you know, and just kind of watch that unfold. Then I'm also working on a third book. Um, I'm not sure if I'll have it finished by the end of this year, but if I can get a good portion of it started, uh, that would be great. And, and can you talk about your third book yet, or you, do you have to wait? It's Well, I can say it has a lot to do with the desserts. Nothing is official yet. No contracts have been signed, so I probably shouldn't build too, yes. in, uh, too much info. But, yes, it's about desserts, and I am very excited about it. Let's just put it that way. I've been having a lot of fun putting it together. Um, I've gotten pretty far on it, actually, already. So That's I, maybe I will hit my resolution. <laughs> yeah, and, and there are a lot of work putting a cookbook together. Yes. A lot of work. It's funny because I honestly considered the idea of self-publishing beforehand, and there is no way in the world I would do that now um, just because of how much help I've had with editing. My editors are wonderful. Gosh, I love them um, at Fairwinds, the publishing company I work with. 
And um, but there's just so much work that you know, having those deadlines and having the stuff that the, the design of the book and everything that I don't even touch how much work goes into that. But um, yeah, writing the recipes, testing the recipes, taking I take my own photography for the recipes, so it it adds up to mm. a lot of work. And those are things that you're probably not also putting on your blog, so that means you're doing things for that as well. So you've got double work. Oh, yeah, definitely, yes. Um, I'd say very, very few, if any. Well, I think in my first book, there was maybe three recipes from my blog that got in there, but I did reshoot the photos, and then, um, and I might have tweaked the recipes a bit. I think I did, actually, on a couple of them. Uh, but then, and then my second book, I don't think that there was any recipes reused. There might have been one. So, yes, it's a big, the majority of the book is all brand new recipes, brand new content, brand new testing, <laughs> you know, that has to go along with it on top of maintaining a blog. So what, what are, I'm just curious, you know, as I think about uh, people who might be listening to this uh, podcast and, and they have New Year's goals as well, do you have tips for people trying to accomplish their goals? Um, you know, I think the most important part of accomplishing a goal, um, and I will use my example of moving to Philadelphia, um, is just setting the goal and telling yourself you're going to follow through with it. Because, well, at least for me, I know that the hardest thing for me to do is not following through. I'm I'm very type A personality. Um, I love to plan things. So when I have something in my mind that I really want to do, I follow through with it. Or, or else I feel kind of like I let myself down, you know. So, um, but take it in small steps. Uh, when my husband and I first decided we wanted to move to the East Coast from Ohio, um, it was just this grand idea in our mind, and we were like, oh, yeah, someday, someday. And then I thought to myself, no, not someday. It was soon. We're going to do this. We're going to make this happen. So I did everything in my power to make it happen, um, and it happened, which was really wonderful. But it did take longer than we thought. We had, like, a year goal, and it actually took closer to um, – probably 19 months to actually make it happen. But it did happen. And, you know, I always think about that. Uh, and, and same with my career, too. I had a lot of doubters, even just going in for an art degree. Um, everyone was like, what are you going to do with yourself? What are you going to do with your life? And I said, I, the only thing I knew is I didn't want a conventional job at sitting in an office and working for somebody else. And I had tried that a few times, and it certainly wasn't me. Um, so it, it's kind of along the same lines as when I first proposed the idea of writing my own cookbook even a few people in my family some friends were like, oh, yeah, that's a really lofty goal. You know, good luck with that. And I'm like, well, thank you. <laughs> I'm working at it. And so it's kind of along the same lines. Have a plan. Um, stick to it. I, I use Google Docs a lot. Um, and, you know, my computer is my best friend. And I have a calendar. So every time I want to, you know, get closer to my goal, whether it's completing a book or moving to Philadelphia or something, each week or each day or however much it takes, I have something check mark off and as long as I do it I know I'm on my way and eventually you're there and you're like wow that really happened it really paid off I can't believe it and you know the rest is history that's great so it sounds like you're saying to create a plan but you take it a step further and actually put some steps on your calendar and follow through yes and a lot of reminders to my husband if it involves him um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know yes I'm very uh, fanatic I guess about getting things done and I want to to get done. Um, our next, I guess our next big project is we want to purchase a house and I haven't even started thinking about that right now, but um, that, that's in the works too. So I'm already starting that plan in my calendar with like, you know, like start getting things in order for that. Hopefully that'll happen in the next couple of years. Oh, that's exciting. It's always good to have goals to move towards, I think. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Because if if you can't see what's in front of you, how are you going to really uh, um, go after it and grab hold of it? You know what I mean? So it's it's so nice that those vision boards. I've never actually done one, but I always think of what I'm doing as kind of a vision board. You know, I visualize it in my mind so I can see it, and then I I can actually go after it and feel it while it's happening. And each little step along the way makes me feel that much closer and that much better about the progress that I'm making. What do you ever experience setbacks though? Yes, all the time, all the time, <laughs> and um, you just have to keep going forward. You know, in fact, my whole my whole career now is based on kind of setbacks because I never know what kind of email I'll be getting or what kind of opportunity might come my way or what kind of uh, failure might happen. You know, mistakes happen all around the board, so everything is kind of vulnerable to that, and I think you also have to schedule in that flexibility with your plan. So if I can't rigorously stick to, you know, I'm going to do A, B, and C on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, if something else comes up, you know, X, Y, or Z pops in there and I I wasn't prepared for it, then at least I have kind of built that in. You know, it's like wearing elastic pants is what I always think of it as. Yeah, you kind of have a little room for wiggle in there. And I think being flexible and always being positive, even if something sets you back, um, keep a positive frame of mind and just keep going after it. Well, you know, a common goal that people have this time of year is is to lose weight. And so I'm just curious, you know, you mentioned that your mom said when you were first thinking about being a vegan that you might end up gaining weight. Have you found veganism to be a good, I don't know, uh, it's a, a definitely a, a way to live a healthier life. But do you I think it's know. had an impact on your weight? You know, I've never really had too much problem with my weight, although I have um, fluctuated quite a bit. I think it's because I'm so type A and manic and always running around a lot. I burn a lot of calories. But I will say that um, it has definitely put me on a path for healthier eating, making healthier choices, because the the years that I was not vegan and the couple years in college that I fell off the wagon, (laughs) so to speak, I ate horribly, like just bad fast food, um, and, you know, the more you eat those foods, the more you crave those foods. Mm -hmm. So where veganism taught me to revisit the vegetable and um, really put a lot of thought into cooking again, I think bringing, I think one of the most important things for maintaining a healthy lifestyle is getting into the kitchen and understand what you're eating. Even if you can't cook, you know, just going in there and chopping up some vegetables to make a salad or throwing everything in the blender to make a smoothie. Those choices are something I make rather than what I might have done as a non-vegan by just making myself a turkey sandwich on white bread and, you know, calling it a day and being like, well, that's healthy, turkey's healthy, I'm fine. Because I did think like that a lot of the time. It really didn't hit me um, the connection to food and health until I got diagnosed with celiac disease. It was kind of like a smack upside the head, like, oh, wow, this really, truly impacts my health. What I'm putting into my body, seriously, has an effect on what I'm, what I'm, you know, putting out there into the world every single day. So that was a big one for me. Um, uh, I would say that my weight actually was kind of problematic around the time that I was getting diagnosed for celiac disease since 2005. I got um, meningitis in 2005 mm. and hospitalized for a very long time. And when I got out, I was never myself again. I had a extremely bloated stomach, um, which increased my pant sizes, mm. I think five sizes at least at that point. Um, I was never comfortable. Um, I had rashes all over myself. I was in constant pain. Um, so my weight, I just assumed I was just, you know, well, I hit 
think I was 23 at the time. I hit 23. I guess I'm just, you know, um, <laughs> it's that time for me to start. It's all downhill. <laughs> yeah, it's all downhill from, from now. So uh, when I went gluten-free and my body was getting the nutrients it needed, because in celiac disease, one of the main problems is the celia inside of your stomach um, can't which grab the nutrients and, you know, help you digest the food and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't function. They're not even there, I, I don't think, in a lot of cases. So I was completely malnourished, and I was just eating tons and tons and tons of not good things. Even though they were vegan, you know, it was still just empty calories, I would say. Um, and I don't mean that as, like, a, a weight loss thing. I mean, like, there's no nutrient value in those calories that I was eating, whether it be white cake or ice cream or bread or beer or whatever I was consuming at the time. My body was, you know, against that. So once I went gluten-free, um, I... It, brought, it it made this realization that the, the food I was eating, it, it impacted every second of my life, I guess is how I would I best best say that. Because even today I go in and um, I'll, I'll prepare myself breakfast or lunch. And at one time I would have thought to myself, oh, I'll just grab whatever's filling, whatever satisfying, whatever I, I'm craving at the time. And sometimes I'm craving, you know, junky pizza or I don't know, Skittles or something that's just <laughs> awful for me, right? But I know that if I eat that salad or if I make a green smoothie or if I just sit down and I try to, my my thing is, I guess, I like to eat about 80% raw every day. So I try to get as many raw vegetables and fruits into my diet as possible. And I just feel amazing. That alone has maintained my weight. I haven't fluctuated at all since then, um, since just, you know, incorporating the foods into my diet. Have you noticed any other benefits? Like, I'm curious, uh, with having that much raw food in your diet, do you get sick as much? Um, I've always kind of had, well, no. Let's just say no, because I was sick constantly before I was diagnosed with celiac disease or even before I became vegan, um, constantly. My medical record is huge. But I, I think the whole time I might have had that, you know, the autoimmune disorder mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, whatever going on with me. So, no, I definitely don't get sick as much. I feel so much more energetic. And I'd say with veganism, one of the first things, even before I got diagnosed with celiac disease, I was still eating gluten and everything. The first thing I noticed was how much easier it was for me to run. Um, I've been a runner for about eight years now, I'd say. And um, it was it was hard for me at first to run past, you know, a mile. It was just oh, hard. It was I felt heavy and I felt phlegmy. It's <laughs> one of the most things that I remember the most is that I felt like I had so much mucus built up. I'm sorry if that's too much. Oh, yeah. You know, it was always there. And once I became vegan, I just remember my lungs felt lighter, my body felt lighter, even though physically I don't think I was any lighter. Um, I felt it felt easier for me to run. It felt like I had more control over my body. Um, but yeah, definitely on the sickness thing, I think that that has impacted a lot too. I, I haven't been nearly as sick as, as I was before, except for before I went gluten-free, of course. I think I was, I was dealing with a chronic illness at that point, but I didn't know what was going on. The chronic illness being celiac. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And my doctors didn't know either. They, they thought it was um, multiple sclerosis or rheumatoid arthritis, honestly. They knew nothing about celiac disease. And I saw at least five specialists. And they were wonderful doctors. They didn't, I mean, they were trying their hardest to figure out what was wrong with me, and they just had no idea about it. So I eventually got diagnosed by a, a medical student that the doctor brought in that was specializing in autoimmune disorders. Um, 
And he was like, you know, it could be this, it could be that, but we think it's this. And I said, oh, you know, this is this is really interesting because I had gone on a high raw diet experiment because I felt so awful right about the time I started blogging. And um, he said, you know, the only way that we're going to be able to track this is we're going to have to give you the biopsy for celiac disease. And if it comes back negative, there's still a chance that you could have it, um, you know, all kinds of probability in these tests. And he's like, but, however, that might get us closer to if we do the blood test for rheumatoid arthritis, that you might not have that and we can cancel that out. And he said, but the thing is, is if you, um, what the only cure for celiac disease, if you have that, is to stop eating gluten. And at that time, I, like I said, I had been eating raw just because I was just so fed up. And I said, you know, actually, I haven't eaten gluten in about 20 days and I feel so much better. So, you know, they came back with, a, well, the blood test is actually conclusive that you have the gene for celiac disease and we don't want you to start eating gluten again, so we're going to skip the biopsy part, but, you know, just let us know how everything goes. And I've been fine ever since. But he knew at that time just by looking at my blood work, I had like 30 vials taken just that month, I think, alone. And then so many more before that. I can't even tell you how many tests I've had. And the neurologist I had going on for so long because I had um, really bad neurological disorder from the meningitis, and then apparently the celiac disease, which is still there. So if you think you might have a gluten intolerance at all, I would seriously go get tested for that. It can do some long-term damage that could be preventable if you, you know. And is it reversible? So now that you've been off gluten, then those things are reversing? Um, part of, some of it was, but the neurological, no. Um, the thing is, is I, I can almost tell, I get this um, feeling on my body, it's called dysostasia, where... It feels like someone lit your skin on fire, and mm. it comes out of nowhere, and there's no reason for it at all. And that was the first trigger um, that I had something wrong with my doctor. That and my gait was off. I was like, I, if I closed my eyes, I would fall over. That was one of the reasons they thought I had multiple sclerosis. Mm. So um, it it's decreased a lot in um, severity only because if I eat gluten, it happens, and I wasn't aware that that was what was causing the pain. So um, now I only get it if I have been gluten. So I will get it really bad, though, and it'll put me out for a couple of days. Uh, so I have to be very careful. But, yes, it's gone away as long as I'm not eating the gluten. Well, I know a lot of people talk about gluten-free as kind of a fad. and But I, I don't know. I have this theory that, um, well, in fact, Kathy Freston talks about this in her book, and I can't think of the name of it right now, but... Um, she actually has a cleanse diet that she suggests everybody do at least once a year to not have gluten for a week. Or maybe it's 21 days, 21 days. Because she thinks it's hard for our bodies to digest it regularly. And so even if you're not intolerant or have celiac, to go without gluten yeah. for a while is good. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, with all the the agriculture and the engineering they're doing with just, you know, the protein, gluten, and everything to make... Uh, a better product for consumers. I mean, there's so much more gluten in today's wheat plants than there was even 50 years ago. Yes. So it's it's kind of unnatural, I would have to say, that, that there's so much of that going on and that we eat bread so much more than I think that we would be able to have eaten without the advent of, um, you know, uh, I guess mass, <laughs> mass production of these food items, you know, and uh, all yes. that stuff. And I definitely don't think it's a bad idea to, to kind of give it up for a little while and see how you feel. If you feel better, then awesome, you know, and if you don't yeah. mind putting a little bit back into your life, if it doesn't bother you, that's, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I definitely think. And the funny thing is, is my father died really young. Um, he died mm-hmm. at 63 years old, I believe, from diabetes. But I, I think he had complications with celiac disease, too, and just didn't, nobody knew about it, you know? So yeah. it's a lot more common than people people might think. It's definitely not a fad for those of us who have to stay off of the gluten to remain healthy. Exactly. And I, I, for me, one thing I really like about being both, uh, I'm pretty much gluten-free and, and vegan, is that now I rely almost, you know, I almost have no processed food in my diet. Yes. That's, I couldn't agree with that more. That's one yes. thing that's a surefire way. It's funny because people will ask me about things and they're like, oh, you know, I have a really hard time trusting packages and stuff. And I'm thinking, well, you know, that's interesting, but I don't really eat much out of a package except for, <laughs> you know, gluten-free flours that I, I buy or, you know, the sugar or margarine occasionally. Um, but most of it, yeah, it's just whole plant foods. You can't get gluten <laughs> with those foods. And you can make some really delicious meals with just plain whole-based you know, whole foods that are, that are just plant-based. It's great. Yeah, brown rice and lentils, all that stuff is so good. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So, yeah. you know, I can't I can't get through an interview with you uh, without asking a question about your name. <laughs> you Go know, that's, for it. <laughs> that's my thing. I really love names, and I love the way your name is spelled, Allison with a Y. Thank I'm, you. My Sister Wendy, the vegetarian, is actually, yes. she named me. Um, my mom Aww. was going to name me Kelly, which is really funny because my best friend, since I've been six years old, is named Kelly. Uh, but her real name is Kalani, but she went by Kelly, and now she goes back by Kalani because she's older and, you know, she knows <laughs> what she wants yes. now. But that, that's how I got named. I don't, I think I'm the only one in my family that um, doesn't have an E sound at the end of their name. And she was going to name me Kelly. So I have Wendy, Lori, my brother's name is Larnie, my mom's name is Kathy, and my dad's name is Larnie, and I'm Allison, so it's kind of strange. <laughs> You're unique. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> Did she say why she, uh, I mean, to me, the why is different. I've always seen Allison with an A-L-L-I-S-O-N. Yeah, um, why the why? I'm not really why the sure. why? I know that it was all my sister, um, and I think that okay. my sister was, you know, adamantly against naming me Kelly, which I love the name Kelly. Every Kelly I've ever met, I love. They're wonderful. Oh. People, so I'm not going <laughs> to say anything bad about that, but for some reason, my sister was like, no, 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 don't do that. Name her Allison, and I think maybe she spelled it that way. Um, she was a forward banker, again, being vegetarian, and, you know, yeah. um, she's she joined the military when she was very young and had a lot of liberal ideas, I guess. So maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> do you ever go by Allie? Um, you know, my husband called me Allie when we first started dating for like the first year. And then he doesn't call me anything but dear now. If I even hear oh. him call me by my name, it's very strange. So <laughs> that's the only person. Um, and I had some friends in high school that called me Allie. But I love that. I wish I would have thought about having a nickname because I really like it. The sound of Allie. Um, some people call me Al occasionally. My mom calls me Al. Pretty much everyone in my family does. Say. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I think those terms of endearment, uh, whether it's dear or Al or whatever, I think I think those are always sweet. Yeah, yeah. One final question. Tell me what inspires you. Gosh, um, you know, everything around me. Color is probably one of the most important things that inspire me. I see color in everything, and I love it. Mm. Um, that's really what got me into food photography in the beginning, was that um, 
just the sheer amount of color that you can get out of a simple meal by you know, doing food styling and everything. But the color of people, um, not just like the skin or anything, but like, you know, the colorful nature of them, um, the colorful surroundings of the world, every single thing. That was one thing I learned in art school was that, you know, beauty is the mundane or beauty is all around us. Um, and I feel that way all the time. I just, I look at things and I appreciate them and I'm just so happy to be here to experience those things and all the colors in the world and all the colorful people and the colorful um, things that people have contributed to make the world a, a, a more colorful place, I guess, is something that inspires me constantly. Well, and that inspiration definitely comes through on your on your blog, Manifest Vegan. I enjoy going to your site and seeing the recipes and the photos and all the things that you have on there are just beautiful, very inspirational. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for your time today, Allison. I really enjoyed talking with you. I'm very, very happy to have been here. Thank you so much for having me. Allison Kramer is author of the book, Gluten-Free Vegan Eats, and publisher of the beautiful site, Manifest Vegan. You can learn more about her, including links to her book, on my site at namelymarley.com. That's it for today's podcast. This is Marley, and thanks for joining me here today. Stay tuned for more fresh and fun interviews in the future.